Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Glad to have you back on demand. Today we talk about expectations, things you want to happen in your life, but maybe you're not doing enough to get you there. Let me talk to you about that today, expectations, and I want you to find the answers that will help you get to the place you dream to be in your life. God really is working in your favor, but he needs your cooperation. There's some sowing, some investing you have to do to get to where you dream and to get to the place he dreams for your life. So stay there. Enjoy On Demand. I'll be back in just a minute to pray with you. So enjoy the message. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. I, I want to talk to you today about expectations. This is our series where I've been walking down this road with you. And it's been fun. It's a three-part series. And I'll introduce the fourth sermon, which will be next week, which is kind of a, a bit of a change of a direction. But we started talking to you about the importance of expectations and timing. And in the first sermon, we talked about confronting the timing of my expectations from the book of Acts. And I laid out for you how they had an expectation that Jesus was going to come and establish a kingdom. And it was a tremendous disappointment when he didn't. But their timing was off. And oftentimes things we expect, our timing's off. And I went through this whole conversation about, aren't you glad some things didn't happen? Some things that you wanted to happen, you're glad now when you look back, it didn't need to happen because you weren't ready yet. You weren't mature enough. You didn't have enough management skills. There were a lot of things that if God had given it to you when you asked for it, you weren't prepared for it. Second thing we talked about was the importance of having a clear understanding of God's expectations of you. In Luke chapter 19, verse 11, we talked about these 10 guys that, that he gave a, a promise to in, in a parable. And in this parable, he said 10 people were given a, a, an equal measurement of, of money. And by the way, just for the record, I did kind of pronounce, pronounce it wrong. I called it a mina. It wasn't a mina. And it's, it's really hema. In, in the, the, but you don't care about that, right? But it's a, it, the pronunciation, uh, basically the whole thing means money. He gave them a measurement of money, 10 guys, the same measurement of money. And the measurement of money was used uh, for the purpose of, of, of investing. Well, in the story, only one guy decided not to do anything with it. And there was this profound comment. And it, it parallels with the same thing in Matthew 25, the same kind of story is told, or kind of parable is told. But it's an interesting uh, story. And so we talked about God's expectations, that he expects us to use what we were given. Today, we turn and talk about what you expect but haven't done enough to have. There, is, there are a lot of people that want things in life, but they're not really ready for it. They have not invested enough, done enough, given enough to reach certain goals. Their attitudes and dispositions really disqualify them from having a lot of the things they pray for. And so I hope today I inspire you to get on a new road, which is what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about riding into a new season on Palm Sunday. And we'll give you some insight about that and how this sermon can be what launches you into that new season in your life. Because some of you have been expecting things, but it's not possible. There's no way God can give you what you're asking because of the things that you have not done yet. You haven't laid the foundation. There are certain books you haven't read. There are certain places you haven't gone. There are certain people you won't allow to advise you. And as long as you block them out, lock them out, you lock out your own opportunity. Let me read a verse to you and you'll see how it all goes. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for all 
for at the proper time, rather, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There are five things in this text that I want you to notice. There are five simple observations that set the stage for expectations. The first thing he mentions is he says, you're deceived. You can be deceived. Be not deceived, he warns them. Don't allow yourself to be tricked. Here's the point. Deception locks you out of clear sight. You can't see what's happening. So he warns them about being deceived. Do not be deceived. He's concerned about that. Secondly, he was concerned not only about them being deceived, but he's concerned about them following their flesh or their natural appetites. And sometimes your appetites can get you in trouble. We'll talk more about that later. But the appetites concerned him. And in writing to the Galatian church, which is really not to a specific like church and town as much as it is, is to the Asia Minor region, there's this, this conversation he's having with this region. It's like speaking to the southeast and saying, I want to talk to you guys who live in the southeast. I want to talk to you guys who live in the west. I want to talk to you who live in the north. I want to give you, I want, I want you in this, in this one pocket of land, I want, you, I want you to think about this in Asia Minor, how easy it is for you to be deceived. And sometimes our culture Sometimes our exposure, all of that leads to that. And you end up following appetites that are culturally great, but they're not good for everybody long term. Third thing he talks about, he's concerned about. He's concerned about them reaping destruction. That in the end, the flesh will lead you to a place of destruction where, where everything starts falling apart. And when you see destruction, marriage, health, finances, whatever it is going on in your life, ministry, church, you might want to pause and say, are we following the wrong appetites? Are we putting together the wrong menus? Could it be that we have the wrong things going? So he's concerned. He looks at them and says, hey, I'm concerned. And, and I want you to think about this. I know you have certain ambitions, but these concerns could have a great impact on what you want. Be not deceived. You don't, you don't reap something that you didn't sow. He goes on to say this. He's concerned about their eternal destiny. You'll end up missing something great. Now I'm going to go back and read the verse again. Make sure you don't miss it. Look at verse 7 again. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What he sows. Not what he wants. Not what he desires. Not what he prays for. What he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Eternal life. Notice that. He's concerned that they won't get to that point if they're not careful because they're sold to the flesh and miss God's eternal blessing for them. And this is, you know, I don't know, this is more than this heaven. I think this is quality of life. There's more to the conversation about eternal life than just I get to go dance around the throne. There's a quality of relationship with God that you miss because of the way you invest your life. You miss, you miss the true gift. I love that verse in John 10 and 10. I come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. And I love the whole conversation in the scripture about the kingdom of God is not just a place, it's a transformation of life. And that's what he's talking about here. This whole idea that you'll miss it because of what you sow. You have an ambition. You have a great ambition. But what you invest and what you do can rob you of that. He goes on and says this. He's concerned about them doing what's right. He's concerned about them doing what is right. I love this verse, and I want you to look at it again. Verse 9, he says, he says, let us not become weary in doing, big word, good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The key is doing what's right. 
If you, if you haven't done what's right, if you haven't bowed your head to God and said, God, I'm believing, I'm praying, I'm asking you. And he says, well, but you haven't done what you need to do. You're asking me for something, but you haven't made the right investments. You're praying for me to give you a good man, a good, but you, you mean, who, who, how can I, who can, how can I send Mr. Good to you? And you're going to chop him. You chop all the brothers you get, all the sisters you get, you cheat on them. Why should I send you a faithful, godly woman and you're not going to be faithful? Why should I send you somebody and all you're going to do is financially drain them? Why, why, why? You, you want, you want, you have an ambition, but your lifestyle has you deceived because you're sowing to the flesh. Take a deep breath back up on that one for a minute. Think about it. Think about what that all means. Now, I want to give you some practical insights people gave to me about this topic. I reached out and said, hey, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this because I believe this is a topic that's really important. And so I asked some questions. I went to people and I did some interviews <laughs> and I asked them, I said, tell me a little bit about some ambitions you had and they didn't come true and why you think they didn't come true. And here's what they told me. You ready? Five different comments that I thought were really fantastic and they fit right into the text. First thing I heard was they had an expectation that would never have worked because of their level of appetite. Their level of appetite or the type of appetite they had. Some of them had a low expectation, low appetite, low appetite for learning, low appetite for being disciplined. And they, they, they just couldn't. They, they, they realized that their appetite was the problem. Some of them said to me that their definition was the problem. That they, they could not receive what they had the ambition for, the things they dreamed, because they're, they're, <laughs> the way they define love, the way they define money, the way they define ministry. Right now in this environment where we're having to change the way we do church and gathering and all that stuff, people are having a hard time because they don't like the digital. They don't like, they don't like having to have restrictions in the physical gatherings. They don't know how to live within a box. I'm concerned that church members have defined church so narrowly, defined God so narrowly, that they can't imagine another way. And so there's this amazing frustration. I had a great conversation with a good person the other day, and she was telling me about how their church doesn't have anything for kids, and they were, how is this horrible during this pandemic? And I said, well, we have stuff, you know, and we do. We have a lot of stuff. We have paid staff that does that full-time. We And part-time, we are really committed to kids. But I said something to this uh, wonderful person, and she, I said, why don't you just teach them yourself? You don't need a children's church person. You don't need a Sunday school teacher. You be the Sunday school teacher. And I hooked them up with our um, uh, program. We have something we call OBF Kids, and it's on our website. You can simply go there, and you can link and have your kids watch it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's really great, about 30 minutes long. And through elementary school and below, we have something just for you. You can go there and watch it. And so she started watching OBF Kids with her grandchild and then talking with them about the lesson. And that became their, their church. This idea that you got to go to a professional place that's all decked out in a preacher in a suit and some special person, you can do it at your house. You know, those are your kids. <clears throat> Let me say that again. Those are your kids. I, I have two children, Ricky and Christina, and those two are my responsibility when they were little. They were. They are. They're, they're, they're my responsibility. I did something terrible the other day. You know what I did? Our, our ministry has this um, thing uh, where you... Uh, sign your kids up for different activities, right? 
And so uh, I, I signed up my kids. They're grown, you know, 38 and 33. But I, I turned in their names. You know, it was uh, I, the staff, you know, sent me an email and I said, oh, sign your kids up for this special program. I said, oh, let me sign up Ricky and Christina. And then I gave a little summary of each one. It was hilarious. And they, of course, they read it that day and sent me back a note, Pastor Rick, really. It was great. But my point is, I realized that those are my, still my kids. They're grown people, but I love them. But here's the point. Your kids, yeah, I did that. I did. I did it. It was fun. But here's the point. There's something about um, me understanding that's not the church's job. It still isn't. I think we delegate away too much. Sidebar, I'm off topic a little bit here. The whole thing about your kids being home from school and you having to do in-house learning um, in your home, in some ways, I know there are challenges with it. I, I know I've heard all the stats. I know how hard it is. But here's one great benefit. You now appreciate schools. You appreciate teachers. Hopefully, hopefully you won't get mad and go down and tell them off when your little kid won't learn algebra. Hopefully you'll be more patient because you try to teach them algebra and they wouldn't listen to you either. See, Ta-da. a lot of us learned a lot. You learn how to maybe have a Bible study with your kids and not rely on the preacher. It's all on the preacher and it's all on the church. And churches are overspending and over, over scheduling because they're so invested in creating as much activity as they can, trying to get you to all come to a building when in reality what they need to be teaching you to do is do it at home. And come to the building for special occasions and come for building for special training. It should be a training center, not, not a hangout where you just hang out all the time. You never get to go home. Some preachers do that. You go to church too much. <laughs> You're never home. You never spend any time with your family. You don't, you don't exercise. You don't eat right. You're just a mess. You, you, you say, but you, you're a mess. Your life all over the place. House all messy. All because you don't have time. And I think that we shouldn't suck away all your time. I don't think that we should have a schedule that's, and megachurches are masterful at this. They got 80,000 things they're doing. And so they're, they're trying to fill up all the gaps. My, my conviction is we should, should teach you how to do it. You can have communion at your house. You know that, right? You know Jesus didn't say only the preachers can do communion. I don't know where that came from. You can do it. You can get you some juice, pour it in a cup, and you can get some crackers. And you can sit around and you can do it yourself. I remember years ago, years ago, I used to, um, uh, there, there was no self-pumping of gas. You couldn't pump gas. You, it was illegal. You couldn't, and you, you couldn't pump gas. They had to have a professional guy would come out to your car and says, hi, what can I do for you? I said, give me $10 worth, please, man. He'd go in the back and he'd, how you doing there, Mr. Temple? Fine, just pump my gas for me. I remember it was in there somewhere in the 70s. I don't have the exact date, but I remember it was somewhere and they, they said you can pump your own gas. I was astonished. Pump my own gas. What you mean? I might blow myself up. I'm not a gas professional. And I remember the first time I pumped gas, I was a little nervous. I said, okay, got to pay attention now. What do you do? Okay, you walk up to the gas thing and you just pull it off, open the cap up, put it in there. And you just looked around and make sure you were grounded because, you know, you don't need to be on the cell phone. Some of you need to pray about that. You're on the cell phone pumping gas. That's called boom, boom. Google it. You know, anyway, but I, I, I never pump gas. And that's how we are spiritually. We think the preacher has to be has to be the one who does it all. You know, the church has to be the one place that everything happens in the church. You are the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says. Mm, mm, mm. I don't dwell in places made by hand. The Bible says 
There's something about understanding that God, the only reason the church building has value is because we, the church, come into a building. And that's what makes it where two or three are gathered together in unity. That's where I show up, he says. This whole idea that you got to be in a place. I'm not against a place. We got a place. We won't keep a place. Might even get another place. Nothing wrong with places. Except when they put you in debt and then the bank takes it back from you. That's bad. And that's happened to a bunch of churches. More than in any time in history. Bankruptcies. Can't pay the bills. Pastors up all night worrying. I am off, but I promise I'll get back on. Here's my big point. You have to be clear about what you're doing. Your appetite can be wrong. Your, expect, your definitions can be wrong. Your definition of church, your definition of family, your definitions of, of service. Thirdly, your disciplines can be wrong. That's what they told me. They said there was a lack of discipline. Now, I hope you're staying with me. These are things that people told me. They expected, but it didn't happen because they had the wrong appetites. That's what they told me. It didn't happen because they had the wrong definitions. Just like I just explained. Number three, they didn't have the right disciplines. They were not disciplined enough. You know, discipline to me is about being convinced. People sometimes will tell me, say, Ricky Temple, you are so disciplined. I said, no, I'm convinced. I'm convinced you need to save money. I'm convinced you need to not live above your means. I'm convinced, convinced, convinced. Some things I have learned and some things I'm still learning. I'm coming out of a few classes right now and I've learned the power of discipline and why I need to be convinced to take care of myself, eat right, exercise, try to keep it down. Ooh, keep working on the temple. Keep working on it. Boy, it gets out of line. If you ain't careful, the world will get out, get away from you if you're not careful. And you have to try, especially as you age. Everything starts going down, down, down. Aching, hurting on the left, aching, hurting on the right. You just, you, <laughs> you're hurting all over because you're too still. And so you have to broaden your disciplines. And sometimes the lack of discipline will mean you will never have the quality of life you want. Sitting there feeling sorry for yourself and not trying. It will never change, which brings me to the next thing they said. There's a lot of things they, they dreamed. These people I interviewed, they said they, they dreamed and want to expect a certain thing, that expectations, get it out here. But they didn't know how to manage. Their management skills were not at the right level. And sometimes that's just it. The management is wrong. The way you manage your life. The way the pieces you put together, success, I always say, comes in pieces. You got to put you have to put the right pieces in the right places to have the right results. You have to have the right words and with 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 the right attitude in order to get people to embrace you. There's some things you'll never have because you are not a person who manages well. And that's one of the big issues, I think, for all of us. And that's why some of you are frustrated. You started a business and you were doing great until they grew. You were doing great, but you're not opening your heart to management. You're not reading about your, your area. You're praying for God to bless your food business, but you don't know anything about food business. You don't read books on it. You don't ask for counseling. You just because because you can cook, you just open up a restaurant. That's not going to help you manage your business. You have to learn how to listen to accountants, listen to your lawyers, listen to people who've been in the business. You have to learn how to church is the same way, same way with the family. You have to learn how to cook. Some of you don't know how to manage a house. You wash you wash clothes. Once a week. That's why they pile up all over the place. You need to watch more often. See, I, I'm not like that. I, I, I do a little bit along the way. I always, I'm always, my wife teasing me about it, but I wash all along the way. So I don't have big piles. I try to keep things folded. I take things right out of, right out of the, you say, do you wash? I wash, man. You go, what? Me? Wash ain't clean, brother. What? I keep it up. Because I realize 
that if I don't manage it, it gets out of control. That's why I take vitamins. I take care of myself. I do all I can. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm really trying hard. But that's called management. You have an expectation of a certain quality of life, but your management skills are not where they need to be. So how do you get to be a better manager? Find somebody that can manage and mimic them. Copy. You know, just copy them for a while. If they brush their teeth a certain way, you, you know, you look... There you go. If they go, you go, go right with them. And they go left. Whatever they look, learn how to brush your teeth. Learn, <laughs> learn how. Learn how from somebody. You can't manage without being guided. Sometimes you're too self-taught. You're too. You, you're not humble enough to say, "I don't know what I'm doing." My salvation, honest to God, is I. I don't. I. I say I don't know. I. I let smart people work for me. And help me. I don't know everything. That's true. Here's the last one. Somebody said to me, they said, here's why we have not. Um, I didn't get what I expected. It was because the industry changed. The industry around me changed and I, I didn't change with it. I was still trying to do it this, the old way. I'm still trying to sell horses and buggies. And that's not going to work because the industry has changed. And you just can't hold on to what doesn't exist anymore. And that's why I'm so big on this digital Connection. I'm so big on finding new ways to connect with people. And I, I believe that you have to find a, a broader way and not get too locked into just the way that you're comfortable. That's why you should never say things like, I'm not in the computers. Ah, you should confess that you are a computer wizard. A computer wizard. I'm going to be in Jesus name. Somebody that's totally different. I'm going to jump in there. I'm going. I'm not going to listen. You have to know that God loves you and you have to be willing to change. The industry's changed. The world around you's changed. You've got to change. You have to get an email account. You have to do small things. You have to be willing to adjust your life. And if you're not willing to do that, you'll not succeed. And there are four practical ways the sermon can speak. It's spoken to me personally. And I want to give you my personal takeaway from this message for my life. Number one, I, I had an appetite regarding appetite specifically. I had an appetite and... <laughs> <laughs> this is so important. I had an appetite to grow and expand, but did not really know how to balance my appetites. I had a desire, but I didn't know how to balance my appetites. Number two, I had a lot of good definitions. I had a lot, a lot of good definitions, but often defined success by exhaustion and busy. That was how I defined it. My definition was go until you drop. Number three, I thought the most important discipline in life was spiritual discipline. Got to be strong in the Lord. So I was always praying and, and that's good. But if your physical disciplines are out of whack, your bills are always late. The way you run your life is you're late to everything. If you're not careful, your problem isn't your prayer life. It's the way you live life. Let me say that again. The problem isn't your prayer life. It's the way you live life. That's why you get up every morning, running out the door late, struggling. It's because you, your life, you're going to bed late, you're tired all the time. It's the way you live your life. Here's the last one, number four, for this sermon, for me. You ready? I am watching my industry change and people are ignoring it. I'm watching that. I'm watching everything change around me and I'm watching people get stuck where they've been. Is that you? You know, it's so easy to not look at your appetites. It's so easy to not look at your definitions, to not look at your maturity level, to not look at your disciplines, to not look at your management, to not look at the industry you're in. It's, it's so easy to ignore all of that 
But if you're willing to do that, God can, can, can help you. If you say, Father, I bring this appetite to you. I bring this definition to you. I bring these disciplines. I bring my maturity level. I get angry too fast. I bring to you my management skills. I bring to you this, this whole new church, this whole new business I'm in. The industry's completely changed. I'm willing to allow you to help me change. And so that's the question for you. What has changed in your life and should no longer be expected? If you can come to that moment and say, this expectation is not good. This is not something that's going to happen. And I had to come to that revelation. There were some things I wanted to do and I had to realize and build and have. And that was not what I needed. I thought it was. God's showing me a whole nother direction. I'm learning just from life, a whole nother direction. Secondly, you need to ask yourself this question. What can change? What, what can change? Sometimes I, I've said to people, you can't have what you say you miss. You know how people have this moment. I wish I could go back if I knew then what I know now. Well, not unless you change the way you thought back then. Knowing information is not going to make you change. For example, some of you go to the doctor, he tells you, you got high blood pressure, and you still act like you don't. Information doesn't make you change. Faith, confidence does. Some things will never change. That's why oftentimes when I look back, if I didn't accomplish something, I'll say to myself, Temple, you couldn't have it. You weren't there yet. You hadn't come to that level of conviction. Some things can't change. What can change in your life? And what can't change? Just a thought. You have an expectation, but <laughs> you won't change. Who around you refuses to change? You got people like that, right? People that you know, your kids maybe, they refuse to change. That's tough. Oh, parents, ah, I'm praying for you. It's tough. You're trying to guide them. You're trying to show them, but they refuse to change. Who around you is like that? Are you like that? Living with somebody, they're paying, paying for everything, doing everything for you, and you got attitude. Will you ever change? No, I'm special. I can do what I want to. <laughs> Hope they don't stay outside. <laughs> you can do it out on the grass. You can't do it in here. <laughs> That's a thought. They don't have to have you in there. It's amazing. It's amazing that you won't change. I have a series I'm working on. It's coming down the pike. It's called to tell the truth. And you know, what the question is, this is a sneak peek. What lies are you believing right now? Man, think about that. Think about that. Can't wait to teach you. Can't wait to talk about it. I've been studying about lying, how I lie to myself. Won't change. Got an expectation, but I'm lying to myself. Lie, lie, lie. All the time. Just lie. Lie. I look good. No, you don't. No, you don't. Tell the truth. You, you, you're, not, you're not happy with it? You need to be honest and say, this is not my best. I can get to my best, but I can't get to my best if I've just accepted this. I have to say, I can work on this. But the problem is, it's hard work. Sacrifice, discipline, maturity, all that, all that difficult stuff. You know, you can dance around the church, tell people about salvation in Jesus, but you will not take care of yourself. You're dancing on swollen ankles and your ankles all swollen up and you say, listen, listen. I know when you get older, they swell. Hey, I was the other day. Mine was swollen. I had, whoa. I looked at my feet. Whoa. Had to hang them up a little bit. All right there. Watch yourself. I, I'm, not, I'm not mocking you. I'm saying as you get older, you, <laughs> so, you got to watch everything. Stuff started happening. 
What happened? You don't know. Can you change? Is it possible for you to change? But here's the question. If they will not change, what will they reap? Mm-mm-mm. What will they reap if they do not change? Eh, there you go. Heart attack. Watch yourself. That sometimes that's that sometimes that's fries. I'm not against fries. I like fries. I might get some today. I'm not against the fry. I'm not against the ice cream. I'm not against a little, little fun. I'm just simply saying some of us are way over on the other side of, of smart. You're way over. And you won't change. Who do you know around you that will not change? You got some names in your mind. Come on. Who around? Don't point to anybody in the room either. I'm just talking about you. You know, it's keeping in your mind. Who will not change? <laughs> and what will they reap if they do not change? You know, one of the hard things about prophecy, people say, I prophetically see. And you don't always need, a, you know, a, a word, a Bible verse. You don't need a spiritual encounter. They don't work. You can say they're gonna, they, they don't eat. They don't have money. They're going to be broke. They're going to be begging. I mean, it, you, you can see it coming. Attitudes. You can see they're not going to be able to stay with anybody. They, you see it prophetically. If you want to read this, you can look at um, the last two chapters of Genesis where, where Jacob gives this prophecy about his children. So let me tell you what you're like. And he goes through a list and says, you guys are really in bad shape. About chapter 49 or so. He says, you guys are in bad shape. Bad shape. Attitudes and so on. Chapter 49 and 50. He just lays it out for him. Bad. Don't listen. Do all kinds of things. And he says, what's going to happen to them? Prophetically, if you don't change, you got expectations. But you won't change. How long will you be this way? My time is up. I want you to think about what I've said to you today. Because for some of you, this is a moment. Because you said, Pastor Rick, you're right. I've been praying and mad with God because I, I didn't get what I thought I should have at this point in my life. And the Lord says, well, OK, what did you sow? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's what he reaps. You might raise your hand and say, Pastor, I have one quick question for you on the way out here now. What about... Me reaping with somebody else sowed. Yeah, that happens. You get around people sowing bad seed, you end up with a bad harvest yourself. That's why you need to pick who you're around. What if it's family? What if I can't avoid it? Eh, you, you know, you'd be surprised what you can deal with if you deal with it. You'd be surprised what you can change and you can say, now that may be for you, but not for me. There, there are lines of separation. God draws lines, holy and unholy, righteous and unrighteous, good and bad. There's a, sometimes in life you need to say, this is where I draw the line for me. Don't know what you, I don't know what you're going to do. But in my life, I'm on a new road, which is what we talk about next week. Riding into a new season. It's time for you. But to ride into that new season, you've got to tell the truth. We have a lot to talk about coming up next week. Man, join me again. It's going to be great. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our time together. I pray that what we've talked about has lifted their hearts and minds, give them a new perspective, help them see the future. I pray that you'd unleash something in their hearts and minds today that it would help them analyze what their expectations have been and to be honest. Some would say, I, I, I didn't sow enough. Some would say, I sowed, but I allowed somebody to come and steal it. I allowed a love relationship to distract me from my big priorities in life. I got addicted to sex. I got addicted to pornography. I got to running around and I, I lost my, my way and I started sowing bad seed on top of my good seed. 
I was going well. And then I turned everything around and got into a bad friendship. And that friend led me to back to a lifestyle I did not want. And so God help us today to see ourselves, to adjust our journey so we can receive your best. And if there's anybody listening that doesn't know you as Savior, may this be the moment they say, I need God in my life. I need to make a change. I need a change. I need God to guide me to a new place. And I pray for them today that this would be that moment that they would say, yes, Pastor Rick, that's exactly what I'm praying. I need God's help in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by what you've heard today, and I pray that it lifted your heart and mind and made you look at your appetites, your definitions, your maturity level, looking at the disciplines in your life and seeing, am I walking where I need to walk? Am I managing my life right? Am I open to the fact that maybe my industry has changed? There's a lot we talked about today, and I hope you apply it to your life. Let me pray for you. Father, let this be a transforming moment where they invite you to, to guide them through this changing season, and may they open their hearts to change and not be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, it's been a joy to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were blessed by it. I want you to take this message, if it helped you, and link it and send it to a friend. Sometimes you need to share the word. It's a great way to do it. Technology allows you to. So share it with a friend and let them be blessed as well. I'll see you next time right here on demand. I have more to say down the road. See you next time. Bye-bye.